Ladies and gentlemen, this is... That is the wrong intro is what it is. Well, oh well. <laughs> hey, uh... <laughs> Every time I take some time off, I come back rusty, but it's okay. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to the IBN slash IBCesis. Um, win some, lose a little. Um, it's a gambling show, but today we are doing college football preview. We're going to be previewing the ACC with our fellow Brit, the one and only Marcus Anthony. How you doing, Marcus? What's up, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm good. Hey, I uh, just want to give you a disclaimer like I give everybody else. If you hear screaming in the background, it is bedtime in my <laughs> house. So <laughs> nobody's hurting any children. It's just my son is a man baby, and you have to fight to put him down. So um, you might hear some screaming right now and then, but it's okay. Baby, I promise. Nobody call the police. Cool, cool. All right. So ACC, man, um, you know, Jamal says it a lie, and it's true. It's basically the Clemson Conference. However, there are some interesting uh, betting lines on some of these teams, um, and we'll touch on that as we go through. And feel free to give your um, advice on um, on whether or not you think over-unders or what you, you find interesting. Um, but if you want, we can start with Clemson if that's what you want, since that's pretty much what everybody's here to, to uh, hear about anyway. Yeah, I mean, I call it the all-Clemson conference, like – that's yeah. what it is to me, ACC. So, yeah, we can start with the Atlantic. I mean, it just start from Clemson, and then I can give you what I think, you know, my opinion on how I think the conference is going to play out on that on the Atlantic and the Coastal side, and we can just. Okay. Uh, All right, so I think we can um, both agree we've got Clemson winning the Atlantic side, right? Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right, so um, the projected record um, is 13-0 by pretty much – Everybody, <laughs> uh, which is it's kind of harsh to say 13-0, but basically going to go 8-0 in the ACC. They are returning the one and only Sunshine, Trevor Lawrence, and then the wide receiver tandem that just absolutely obliterated uh, Alabama last year. They are returning as well. Um, I just want to ask a question real quick because when we talk about Clemson, and we'll probably spend a little bit more time on them just because they really are now the – Basically, second or third, depending on what region you're in, but they're the one of the top premier programs in the nation. Um, when Dabo Sweeney took this program over, did you ever foresee something like this? Never. I, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when Clemsoning was a thing. Like, I mean, that mm-hmm. was, you know, a thing a few years ago when I never in a million years honestly thought we'd live to see, you know, a program like Clemson who's had football success, but they've just been a mid-level, you know, mid-tier program. If you're in the Southeast, especially in the Atlantic, uh, you know, the ACC, you, you've you always been accustomed to Florida State being the big dog or Miami or even Florida, you know, and it was just all the schools around them. I, I never thought so, man, but when you get guys like, you know, that are generational talents, man, like Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson, I mean, it does a lot for your program, man. Dudes like Kelly Bryan and Taj Boyd, you can win games with them. Yeah, you can win eight or nine games and be like Texas, you know. But if you really want to be the premier, you know, program, I mean, you got to have elite quarterback play or take a, you know, page out of the Nick Saban playbook and just have nothing but dogs at every other position. Right. Dabo's doing a good job, man. And it hurts me to say that because, I mean, people talk about 31 nothing the way they, you know, beat my Buckeyes. But, you know, they also beat us the year before that. But two years before mm-hmm. that with Todd Boyd, Sammy Watkins, Martavius Bryant, when we had, you know, Carlos Hyde and Braxton Miller. And that's kind of when you could kind of see the program really starting to just, like, rev up. Because, I mean, if you really look on that roster, look on the NFL, man, and how many Clemson receivers are, are balling on Sunday. You know, people don't remember DeAndre Hopkins, Sammy Watkins, and Martavius Bryant together. You know, like, that wasn't that far ago. And when he started getting those type of dudes, I was like, dang, man, like, it's going to be a lot of trouble, man. Dabo, man, hats off to him, man. He's got a hell of a job. And, you know, it's funny because, um, honestly, if you look at the last, I want to say, three years, I mean, Clemson and Bama are pretty much neck and neck. I think their records are identical yeah. and everything. And um, I often hear people when you talk about Nick Saban, um, a lot of times people will go, well, he gets the best kids in the nation. It's easy for him. But you never hear anybody say that about Dabo Sweeney. And, like, just some of the names that you named off and just in general, Trevor Lawrence, uh, knowing what, what we all knew about him coming out of high school. I mean, the kid was, was yeah. pretty much a legend 
coming in and and it's like at what point do people start saying, Well, it's it's easy for Dabo. I mean, he's in a pretty easy conference. He's he's light years ahead of everybody else in this conference. Um, like at what point do we start uh grading him um without the curve, pretty much? You know, I always tell people from like a football perspective, like it sounds really easy, right? Like the luxury of being a blue bud or being a big dog of an Ohio State Michigan, Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, whoever it may be, and that's always the argument, like, oh, you guys get these great players. But I want to take you back to 2015 Ohio State Buckeyes. You're talking about guys with eight all-pros on that team. Just because you get them to campus, you still have to develop them. You still Mm -hmm. have to put all the pieces in place to win championships, and that's hard. Like, I think for Dabo, it's really about the player management, the player development. Like, I don't think that argument – I don't like that argument in college football because we've seen places who can recruit at a really, really high level. Texas, Georgia, Florida State, Miami just completely, you know, become shells of themselves and become second-tier programs. So I think for people making that argument, I, I, I don't like that because I think, like, it still requires so much, man. To, I don't think people realize how hard it is to be, you know, an 18-year-old kid to come being thrown into a position of being, you know, the quarterback or being a starting guy at Clemson, like, homie, six months removed from his prom, like, and now you want him mm-hmm. to go out and go against one of the better defensive minds in the country and in football, period, and Nick Saban. So you got to give Dabo his credit for coaching him up, man. Like, that's the biggest thing in college football is you got to coach the dudes up, man. So I don't think Clemson's there yet now. This recruiting class they have coming up is absolutely crazy. It's a possibility they could get three of the top five players in the country with Breeze, Justin Flo, and those are them. Then I might get to a point where I'm like, all right, this is kind of cheating. I mean, you're talking about his recruiting class that's coming in next year could be arguably the best recruiting class since the modern college football era. And I want people to sit back and think about how many dynasties that includes. And Dabo hasn't really got this type of talent before. Because he's really been recruited. If you go to look back historically on his recruiting classes, it's just been middle tier, right? He hasn't been getting the, the top five, the top ten classes. Sure, it's been the best in the ACC, but compared across college football, you're talking about 14, 17, maybe an eighth class in the country. I mm-hmm. do want to see now when he starts to get, you know, this type of elite talent in Clemson, what can happen. And most importantly, I want to see who's going to close the gap because this thing, it really could get ugly. If nobody stops them this year, it really could get ugly in the ACC. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure he's approaching dynasty territory here. Uh, I mean, he's pretty much, like I said, matched uh, Alabama step for step. Uh, And I think we all can agree Alabama's kind of been the poster child for dominance in college football. But um, I, I really think this year especially is going to be less of, well, you know, Bama, 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 and more of like Clemson, 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 you know? Yeah. And um, it, it's, it's definitely, um, he definitely deserves some praise um, because last year, uh, if you go by some of the reports um, and some of the complaints coming out the Bama camp, it sounded like Nick Saban didn't really have control of his team. Um, you know, he was yeah. having issues with, with coordinators one foot out the door uh, I mean, the the issue with the one player arguing on the sideline, things that you just normally <laughs> see. You saw, like, a, a Bama team that just didn't have as much composure as we were used to seeing. And um, I think I had made a comment during the national championship that despite all that was going on, when them boys stepped on the field and the game started, you got the impression yeah. that the Clemson Tigers were not there to, to – to compete, they were the better team in their minds. They came team, out yeah, like that, sure. like it. It was a very personal vendetta from the staff all the way down to the players, even the true freshmen who just walked into the program this this uh, fall. Like it was as if that whole like program really wanted to yeah. just like set the tone and let let the nation know they are here to stay. Um, Looking at their schedule. I'm glad you said that, though. Oh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Because one thing, um, how about we give Dabo some credit? Everybody, Nick Saber comes in front of SEC Media Day and starts pandering and talking about, oh, my assistant's this and players mm-hmm. weren't focused. Or how about he got absolutely outcoached at every single level? If yeah. you watch Alabama and you look at what they've done, right, and I think Dabo knew exactly what he had in Trevor Lawrence. 
And he said, listen, if you look at what's giving Nick Saban problems, it's big. It's guys like Cardell Jones. It's guys like Trevor Lawrence. You have to be able to throw outside of the numbers on Alabama because what they do is they condense your offense. Because one thing you're not going to do is get over top of them, and they match so many routes in a media that it's really, really hard to generate big plays across the middle of the field. So you got to be able to push the ball down the field on Alabama. I really think mm-hmm. Nick Saban just got outcoached that game. Like, I don't care yeah. what he says. Yeah. I know he's protecting himself. It's like, nah, Mo, you got outcoached, bro. <laughs> like, you in football times, like, they were better than – and you were right. Like, they came out and they knew, like, nah, these ain't the dudes. These ain't – this isn't C.J. Mosley and – Travis, you know, like, and, 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 and all right. those You're right in the sense that we don't see, and, and maybe it's because the SEC just, like, I always clown the, the whole conference in, as a whole, lacking um, yeah. vision, and, and um, I want to say just in general, a, a format of modern offense. Like, there's not a lot of yeah. vertical attacking out of the SEC, but Clemson from Kelly Bryan's offense, uh, the hybrid that we saw in Deshaun Watson, who was able to run but didn't necessarily need to run, and then what we see yeah. in a pure passer like Trevor Lawrence, it has not mattered who Dabo has yeah. had behind center. He's always had the offense um, in, in regards to how they attack teams wrapped around and, and centered behind their quarterback play and the athletes play. And I mean, we're, we're talking big play after big play. It reminded me of when um, Oklahoma played uh, USC that year and Mike Williams and them or, or Reggie, whoever was on the team this time, I think Lana was on the team. But, I mean, they literally came out and just bombed them the whole game. Yeah. Like, it was just nonstop. Like, a lack of respect in the sense of the play calling. Yeah. Like, and, and for a defensive mind like uh, Nick Saban to, to be in a situation where, honestly, like, you know, we're, we're former players. You obviously played at the collegiate level. But we watch a lot of film, watch a lot of teams. Nick Saban was helpless in his mind yeah. on that sideline. You could tell by halftime he had no this. There was no plan B. They were outmatched, outgunned. This was a better team, and I don't think he's faced anything like that uh, in a yeah. long time, in a very long time. Um, but I, I mean, it's a new year, but. Gosh, I can only imagine what Trevor and the, and the offense is going to do this year. But the, the questions will definitely be on the defensive side, though, because he did lose some talent on that defensive side and some first-round talent uh, on that defensive side. Do you think that that's the biggest question mark going into the uh, 2019 for the Tigers, the defense? Yeah, I expect the D to take – now, one or two things are going to happen. Like, is Trevor Lawrence really as good as we think he is and – where he's just going to be so dominant that it doesn't really matter what they do on defense. But Brent Venables is one of the best defensive coordinators in the country, arguably the best mm-hmm. defensive coordinator in the country. And losing mm-hmm. four NFL-level defensive linemen is tough on any program. Like, I don't care where you are, Ohio State, Alabama, whoever can reproduce guys, it's, it's tough. Xavier Thomas is, you know, a sophomore. I think they, I think – What's the kid name? Um, Justin, uh, like, Foster or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. he's a junior, and it's like you're looking at these dudes to just come in and replace, you know, Clinton Farrell and um, Lawrence and all these other dudes. And it's like, man, I, I don't see that. But luckily for them, there's no really – there's nobody really that can really test them, right? Like, and it's like you can give your defense some time to gel. They don't have to be horrible. All you got to do is bend but don't break. I mean, if you can own – really the 30 from the 30, and you can condense from, you know, the goal line to the 30 and make people kick field goals, they're going to beat you by 40. So I think that's kind of the plan early on against, like, two, it's two, they got two tough games back-to-back that I, th- I don't want people to really think about it. September 7th, I think it is, Texas A&M mm-hmm. and at Syracuse. That's a yeah. lot of traveling. And the last time they were in the Carrier Dome, they lost. And yeah. on that, I'm telling you, Syracuse is a different team in the dome, man, because when Dabo mm-hmm. gets that tempo running and he can pick up a couple first downs, next thing you know, you're in a you're in a shootout, and that's what he wants. He wants his guys, hey, man, look, we're going to get tempo. We're going to get 115-plus plays. And, like, you know, and, and to go going – I mean, having Texas A&M, luckily it's in that valley, but I like what Kellen Mann and what I think um, Jimbo Fisher is going to do this year. So, I mean – if they get past that, then yeah, I mean, at this point, it's like 
what, I think they're going to win 25 or 20, 26 or 27 games straight if they go through the college football playoff are going to be undefeated. I mean, I, I don't see nobody stopping. Yeah, and, and, you know, since we're talking about the schedule, that is something that uh, gamblers can take a look at and people in general who, who look at future plays and stuff like that. So Clemson's regular season wins are at 11 and a half. And you talked about the back-to-back games uh, along with the travel. So the the biggest thing with college sports is just emotions. Like, everything's so emotionally charged. You got Texas A&M at home, and, and then yep. it's Syracuse sitting in a perfect spot for a letdown game for the Clemson Tigers yep. for the simple fact that Syracuse, this is their national championship. I mean, Dino is, is bringing that program along very, very well. And those boys yeah. are motivated, and I'm pretty sure there might be a, a few players left that remember uh, their past success with uh, Clemson, and I'm sure Dino will lean on that heavily. And like you said, in Syracuse, that place isn't an easy place to play or win. No, it's not. And, and playing up-tempo plays into Dino's offensive mindset and, and uh, scheme as well. And another thing that really favors Syracuse in this matchup um, that I'm going to touch on when we get to Syracuse is that they're returning their two best pass rushers who are pretty good. Yeah. And if there is a question mark on the Clemson offense, it would be that they lost an all pro left tackle or all American left yeah. tackle. And I mean, you got to think this is Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. He's, he's going to be um, into his second season, but I don't care who you are. If you're used to, to not getting your Jersey dirty and now all of a sudden you got to move a little bit. Um, it can make you uncomfortable. And, and he's still got the playmakers, but there's so much uh, confidence in that Syracuse program right now that that truly yeah. would probably be the only question mark that I would have uh, for, um, like, Clemson as a, as a whole. I still think ultimately, though, if you would like to play this over, I really think it's a good spot. To Take me, it, at worst, no, no, that's, that's money. Yeah, at, at worst they're gonna go into the uh, ACC championship game at eleven and one, and it's still gonna count. Like you're still gonna you're well, gonna get you're yeah, gonna get exactly. your twelve wins. Unless think about this a scenario, right? As let's say Clemson beats Georgia Tech, beats Texas A and M, but loses to Syracuse, beat Charlotte, beat North Carolina, beat Florida State, beat Louisville, beat Boston College. You just run. You, I'm going to go through the schedule. Walford, NC yeah. State, Wake Forest, and South Carolina. That one loss to Syracuse in their division, let's say if Syracuse is 7-1 and they're 7-1, and one, like last year, if Syracuse would have beat them, they would have been the Atlantic Division champs and not Clemson. So True. It, it could get interesting. Like what would, I'm just True. thinking about, like, man, how much power does Clemson have now? So let's say when the college football playoff comes around, when the committee has the vote, you have a 12-1 and one Clemson team, right? Or eleven and one Clemson team who lost to Syracuse, not a conference champion. But let's say you got an Ohio State or Georgia, Oklahoma and an Alabama all at twelve and one conference champs. Now we're gonna see if Dabo Sweeney has brought the program to say, you know, with the college committee can say, Look, man, these dudes are regardless of, you know, twelve and one not a conference champion, they would still be, you know, one of the better teams in college football, but mm-hmm. I'm still I mean, what's it, ten and a half, you say? Eleven and a half. Eleven and a half. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, I take it. I. I mean, I'm. I'm willing to take it just for the simple fact that honestly, I don't see them losing any more than um, eleven <laughs> games outright and running into the conference championship. I will say this for people who are gambling: double check to make sure that your uh, your book is saying just regular season if they include the yeah. conference championship in that, um, because then that would possibly sway um, my particular vote, uh, betting. And then, two, you run into a scenario, if you take them at 11 and a half over and you're scared, just hedge one of those games and yeah. it'll be fine. Just, I would probably hedge the Q's game over the A&M game because they, game. I don't think I don't think A&M's going to sneak up on them in Death Valley. You know, that's just not an yeah, ideal spot for them. But, but rolling into Syracuse, it could definitely happen. Um, now, we we talked a little bit about Clemson. They're number one. Now, I yep. think we agree on who the second team will be in the uh, Atlantic side, but I just want to check. Who do you have at number two in the Atlantic? I like Syracuse. I like Dawn. All right. I like I Syracuse, mean, I, too. 
Now, I know there's going to be a lot of people saying, you know, Florida State, and I, I get that. I mean, I think they do have some returning talent. I like Blackman, who will be a solid quarterback for them, but, I mean, they just looked so bad down the stretch of last year. Blackman looked shaky. Cam Akers looked shaky. Everyone on that team looks shaky, and when I looked at, you know, Syracuse and what they're bringing back, I'm like, yeah, for sure. I think they're the second-best team in the Atlantic Division, I, and I see them being really the only challenge to uh, Clemson, you know, within the ACC. Yeah, I like them. Unless, I, I mean, I, I can't see Florida State. I just can't see it. I think Tiger's trash. But that's uh, I'm not a Tiger fan at all, and I'm not going to bash him yet. I'll wait. But <laughs> I'm, I'm rolling with Syracuse. I think Dino is on his way, man. I really can see him uh, being the next big thing as far as coaching goes uh, in the nation. Yeah. If he gets If he gets another winning season for sure, it's going to be hard to, to hold off one of these bigger programs that, that could be looking to um, to make some changes. Now, I've got my win total for um, for Clemson off of uh, my bookie, which is one of our uh, partners, and I'm looking for Syracuse. They don't even have Syracuse on there, which is <laughs> probably disrespectful. Uh, <laughs> That's disrespectful. That's disrespectful. Yeah, people probably not even considering it. Um, so I'm going to check. Man, that's the ultimate kitty table moment. Yeah, I'm going to check another site. I'm not telling you which site I'm going to um, because I don't want to get in trouble with, with Ronnie. But just know I'm looking at another site to see where, uh, to give you an idea where they got Syracuse. Um, they've got Cuse at seven and a half. I think that's really generous. Um, I mean, most people I've seen got them around eight to nine wins minimum. Yeah, I think I went. I think I reached a little and was and was saying ten. Um, if you look at their schedule, they got some flood, I'm, look, man. I'm looking at they it got, right now. They're gonna yeah. open Liberty, Maryland. That's two wins. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm yeah. just counting like what a, a win. Liberty, Maryland's yeah. a win. We'll say Clemson for right now was a push. We'll just say that's yeah. a push for right now. Western Michigan is a win. Holy Cross yeah. is a win. NC yeah. State. I think that's a win. They replaced the Finley and, you know, yeah. what, three or four guys to the NFL. Yeah. Florida State. At Florida State, that could be tough. That could be tough. Yeah. Let's call that a loss. Yeah. Pittsburgh, a oh, win. Yeah. Boston Pittsburgh, College, yeah. a win. Yeah. At Duke, uh, what you think? At Duke, I'm saying that's a win. I'm saying that's a win because of what I saw out of the team when Daniel Jones didn't play last yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then you, and it's then, not like they replace a guy like Daniel Jones in a place like Duke. But at Louisville, yeah. that's a win. And eight weight fours, that's a win. So one, two, three, yeah. four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That's nine wins. So, so yeah. I'm I'm going out on a limb and saying that Syracuse over seven and a half is probably your best bet um, a for bet. a yeah, futures um, for what are the, um, odds? You know the, odds? the ACC. Uh, they're actually pretty low. It was, um, let's see. Because usually the juice is about uh, one ten, so for every hundred dollars you got to give the house mm-hmm. ten. Uh, for this, yeah. it is one oh eight for the over. So that's pretty good value. Co- that's good couple value. dollars, but but I I really think that this is a, a good value play. Um, I know that um, I know that um, people think that they're going to be losing a lot. Uh, because they did lose uh, Dungey, who was like their their guy, yeah, uh, emotionally and everything. Um, but the thing about Devito is Devito's got experience. It's not like yeah, uh, he's nice. He's it's, nice. Yeah, it's not like he ain't never played. You know, uh, he he helped lead them to victories against Florida State and North Carolina. Uh, like I said, yeah. they're returning um, their two best pass rushers, which is which is very critical for the defense. Uh, they're also returning yeah. um, a pretty solid uh, cornerback. As a matter of fact, I think. In regards of their passing defense, I don't. I really think that Syracuse might surprise some people. Um, they were um, ranked towards the bottom of the conference last year, but I think <laughs> they had a lot of youth. Um, and and honestly, yeah. the in-game experience that they had, and the fact that they were able to to overachieve, they won ten games last year. Um, and I don't think anybody saw that coming. So uh, and even in Clemson last year, they only lost by four. It was twenty seven, yeah. twenty three. You know, so you gotta, you gotta think that the momentum is on their side, and um, they're not sneaking up on anybody. And and I feel like you know Dino's got it uh, in these boys' heads that they are 
a lot better than than people would give them credit, yeah. and they're going to play with a chip on their shoulder. Um, then they also really do have a great setup for their schedule because they get Clemson after the A&M game, and they get them at home. Yeah. Uh, they got their fluff, fluff, fluff. They got an NC, NC State team that's probably in a little bit of shambles uh, because they're losing one of their, their key players. Um, Florida State is probably going to be tough for them. Uh, but it all depends on what Willie Taggart does. Um, and honestly, he's shown that he's not very great at coaching football or preparing people. Yep, that's a loss. Um, and then I guess you would only worry about them having a mental letdown at, at Duke. Because Boston College yep. is going to be a tough team this year. But, I, again, it's a home game for them. Um, they're yeah. going to be very motivated for that. Uh and that's kind of a By rivalry, t- Northeast like yeah. rivalry too. So it could be an interesting game. At the time they get to Louisville and Wake Forest, you you can bowls. So they're not gonna like yeah. you know, they're not gonna let off the gas uh against them. So like I said, uh, most people got them projected at eight to nine wins. Uh, you know, we can see ten or four see ten at yeah. least. Uh which is the high side, but at minimum, we don't see any less than eight, and you're getting seven and a half. I think you got to take that, and like I said, I really think that's probably one of the better bets uh, for futures uh, in the ACC. Um, And I think people, another thing, like, I think for me anyway as a gambler, like, I would hope that people who are wagering on, you know, over under futures for these teams are really looking at the schedule and how the schedule plays out because – I mean, that's cake to have Liberty. Now I'm going to be decent. Then you can beat Clemson, Western Michigan, Holy Cross. Then you get a bye before. Like, that's huge. You know what I mean? And that can yeah. kind of swing a game in college football. So I hope people are kind of taking into that and not just looking at the name and being like, wow, Syracuse can't win seven games. Like, no, I actually look at the schedule and see how the schedule, mm-hmm. you know, shakes out in that way. And then you would be like, oh, all right, man. That makes sense. Because like you said, like, they really could win ten games. And I, I, I could see that, you know. Yeah, and and I also look at uh, the ACC, and um, in my mind, I'm going to be as rude as I possibly can be, but anybody that's got Louisville on their schedule is pretty much an automatic win this year. So, I mean, if you lose to Louisville, if you're in the ACC and you lose to Louisville, they need to relegate you to, like, some, somewhere, somewhere other than the ACC. <laughs> like, Louisville is, is completely in shambles. They made a picture of me at – yeah, they're, they're literally rebuilding their program from the floor up. So there's really no excuse for taking an L to them. Um, switching over to the third team, I've got Florida State coming in at third in the Atlantic. Yeah, me too. Okay. Um, this is my team. No surprise, though. I mean. Yeah. Um, I am ashamed to say I'm a Florida State fan because I hate Willie Taggart with all my heart. I'm trying not to, to hit a rant, but from an X's and O's standpoint, I would love to sit down with him and have him explain to me what I'm supposed to be seeing because his vision is, is blurry as, excuse my French, blurry as fuck when I'm watching on TV. <laughs> it makes no sense. Nothing he does makes any sense. So he got uh, baby Browns, what I call him, Kendall Browns, baby Browns. He got him for offensive coordinator. So I'm praying that he just stays away from the offense. Just, just go somewhere, like to the other side of the, of the of the campus, and just let Kendall do what he does, and let these boys run plays that go forward, not backwards, and see if we can um, maybe get a couple people, uh, you know, sleeping. But Florida State's a, a program that's sadly in a rebuild phase. I mean. We talk about Clemson for 15 minutes. I don't even want to spend five on Florida State. I never thought I'd say that, but I mean that's yeah. where we are as a program, you know. Um, most the people thing, got them the projected think, at seven wins. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> Boise, I mean, that's a win. I mean, you're Florida State. You got to win that game in Jacksonville, Florida. You you got to beat Boise State. Right. Come you on. got to. That's a win. You got to. ULM is a win. Then they have my, I mean, I hate to admit this, but this is my college football sleep of the year, UVA. They're at UVA. Yeah. I think that's I don't a think loss. we're going to beat UVA. <laughs> and they want me to go I mean, to no, the game, man. I oh, my okay. God. I can't, I can't be you know, sitting in Charlottesville losing to UVA. I, I might cry. 
What a time. Kenny, yeah. have a seat, man. You you might be on the kitty table first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm a long year for you. If you open up and lose to Boise and UVA, uh, it's tough, man. Have a seat. It's tough. Have some fruit snacks. Yeah. Your feet up. You can see there. And the, honestly, with the way Florida State played last year, I mean, UL, ULM might give us a run for at least three quarters. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah, they looked really, really bad last year. I mean, five and seven. I never thought I'd ever see a Florida State team win five games. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. It's embarrassing. Embarrassing. I think Willie Taggart kind of just thought, like, because you you know who his boy is, right? You know, he's a hardball guy, Willie Taggart. (sighs) You know, like his mentor was what was um what's their dad name um it's what Jim Jack and yeah so the dad's name is Jack and then Jim mm-hmm. so you know he's a west he's a true pro style West Coast guy and that's where the Gulf Coast offense kind of comes from is you know they try to use spacing to get you know really good short passing game going get out in the space a little more you know so than what Jim was willing to do but. Black men just look lost, man. Like, I was like, yeah, man, this is I, This is progressions. Like, it was like hand the ball. It was kind of like Madden. Like, all right, exactly. I'm going to hand the ball off. And if I press B, like, it was. It just looked really, really bad. And I, I, I felt like, I was like, bro, he, like, whatever they, however they coaching him up is trash because he just looked bad. And, and, and at all levels of his, I shouldn't say all levels of his game, but he just had so many moments. That I'm just like, man, how'd you get to Florida State? And you shouldn't be able to say that about the Seminoles, man. Like, you in the state of Florida, man. Like, and then you – so your choice is uh, James Blackman. And then you know who transferred, right? Hornibrook from Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. Trash. And and, and my thing was um, when I was critical of um, <clears throat> of Taggart, it was what I felt like was just the overall, like, blatant oversight of fundamental play calling, man. Like, I, if I've got two receivers on one side of the field – and there are three DBs in that area and a linebacker who's clearly not playing the run, why am I throwing a screen for one man to, like, what is one receiver going to do? Receivers don't block anyway, but it's just such a poorly designed play in my mind, and we kept trying, like, looks like that with, with two receiver sets on one side, which I'm just so confused as to why they kept trying to do that with the with the slot receiver who doesn't want to block, and then they try to switch it up and run middle screens, and that was even worse because then they're running the screen into the linebacker who's uncovered, yeah. who's already playing the pass. Like, I don't understand. And, and like, you were talking about um, my man uh, Francois. I'm like, do you are you allowed to audible? I just feel like <laughs> even if you're in that situation, you can look, you've played enough football, man. I know every quarterback yeah. fundamentally counts the players. On the size of the like, especially if they're thinking like, okay, this is the place. This is where we're looking at. You're targeting this area in general, like especially if you're not good at going through progressions, you simplify it or you try to at least. Yeah. Like you understand the numbers and and you you just still throw the ball like it was robotic almost, and it just blew my mind. And and I felt like we were the laughing stock of the nation. And I look at Oregon who got rid of Tiger, and they look like they got life. Here we are looking <laughs> yeah. like, what in I the mean, world? So so let me ask you this question. Like, as a Florida State fan, I, I mean, I kind of like Willie Taggart a little bit. I mean, here, brother, mm-hmm. I got at least, you know, I got to keep it real sometimes. So I kind of want him to succeed. But do you really think this team, it can be two games better with, like, Blackman? Francois was, you know, he had his issues. Then Blackman did look like in solid, uh, maybe a little better upgrade, but – do you think Blackman is enough to win seven games? Like you think he's a seven and five, eight win, nine win? Like I don't, I don't, I didn't see that from him to be like so confident and to be like, okay, like Florida State is going to be two or three games better. I, I think they'll be better overall, but I'm like, I don't know. It's, I don't even know how we, to feel about them. It's just like we're just so we're lucky like, enough. Whatever. We're lucky enough to have Syracuse and Miami um, at home issue yeah. is is that I, I, I don't trust our focus from the staff. Like this I don't care if Kendall Browse is there. I love Kendall Browse Browse, but I still don't think that Willie Taggart has these kids attention um enough that, that they're prepared for what could be a, a brutal segment of the schedule and that's October twenty sixth 
Uh, we got Syracuse <laughs> visiting. November 2nd, we've got Miami yep. visiting. Miami and then we go to a place where we usually struggle anyway, and that's Boston College. So it's like In November, so you know it's going to be yeah. like 15 degrees there. And then we end at Florida, which, I, I mean, I've been calling Florida all my life, but by that time all their players will, will be out of jail and they'll be ready to play by November 30th. So <laughs> we might be in for a struggle there. The, the Virginia game – I'm telling you right now, I'm counting that as a loss, unfortunately. So, yeah. I mean, there are, there is potential for four to five losses very easily uh, on this schedule. And then the books are being jerks, and they're setting the line at seven and a half. So you're basically banking nah. on this team improving over half a game when they lost their best defensive player. And they've got a quarterback who could be potentially shell-shocked. The offensive line is depleted. And as much as I love Cam Akers, I mean, you can only do so much as a running back, man. I mean, yeah. uh, the ACC is blessed with a couple very incredible running backs who, who carry a lot of workloads. But the the two that I, that stick out to me are Akers and, and Dylan in Boston College, and those teams don't win more than eight games. They just don't. Yeah. It, it's too much talent. So, um, I mean, going in a general world, I, I could give seven wins. Yeah, but yeah, I was going to say, Saturday seems right. <sighs> because, Which I mean, I'm hoping it leads to Taggart being fired. I'm just looking. Boise will win. Louisiana Monroe's a win. At UVA, that's a loss. I got Louisville as a win. NC State is a win. At Clemson, that's a slug. At Wake mm-hmm. Forest, that's a win. <laughs> Syracuse is a slug. Miami is a slug. I got you beating Boston College. And I got you beating Alabama State. And I got you losing to Florida in the last game. So, I mean, in a perfect world, I think I think this team's floor is a five, and I think their ceiling is probably – I'd be generous and give them a nine if they beat UVA, and I could see them maybe beating Syracuse or maybe Florida. Mm-hmm. I, I could, you could talk me into that. Like, okay, I could see mm-hmm. where you're coming from. But do I have enough confidence? Nah. So I'm just going. If if seven games, if it's seven and a half, I'm gonna go under. So we've got um, <laughs> now we've got teams that basically we're just gonna speed through because they're not really good. Yeah, no. Um, good. And so it, um, let's see: NC State, Louisville, Wake Forest. I will say this. Wake Forest might be a little sneaky on some people in regards to how competitive they are uh, for the simple fact that um, even though they did lose 95% of their team in Dortch, um, I kind of like what I saw at the quarterback last year, uh, even after he wasn't really supposed to be the one um, that was starting. I think he kind of got tossed in there as a true freshman. Yeah. Um, But um, they they were competitive at – they went to a bowl last year, right? One, two, three. Yeah. Yeah, they, were, yeah, they, yeah, they got down. to a bowl last year in, in spite of all that. Um, so you want to look out to see who they can use to replace uh, Dorch as far as the playmaking goes. But obviously not a program that's on the up and up, but still somebody that will be competitive. Yeah. Uh, the Wolfpack lost um, a lot. A lot. Yeah, so, they lost Finley. Um, they, they lost a lot. Yeah. The only thing that really gets, gets, uh, gets me scared about them is that when you have to travel there, for some reason it's always tough um, for everybody, even even though they're not necessarily the most talented team. They've got a, a lot of fluff in their schedule, too. East Carolina, West Carolina, Ball State, like, God, Louisville. I mean, sheesh. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, now, I would say this, though. Like, I wish you had the schedule or you knew that over under, like, they're going to be solid. Like, I think from the next bottom teams, I think it'll probably be NC State, Boston mm-hmm. College, Wake Forest, and Louisville. I mean, so, you know, like, and Louisville, now, I will look out for Louisville in three years, though. Like, Scott Satterfield was was amazing coach at App State. Like, you know, you watched him, what he did last year, went on oh, the road, yeah. Happy Valley, really early. You know, it kept him competitive. Wake Forest, yeah, I mean, I just think Clawson's a, he's a good enough coach, like you said, to keep them competitive. Like, they'll be a six-win team, maybe a seven-win team that'll be competitive. BC, man, I, I can't watch BC games. It's just, but like, I love football, man. But, I mean, A.J. Dillon's a baller. I mean, I think Adazio's a little good coach. So, yeah, and I mean, that whole, like, that bottom level of the ACC is just so hit or miss. You really don't know because 
when you get a really good guys like Ryan Finley, AJ Dillon, like they ride them for three or four years, but they just usually don't have the type of replacement, you know, like a Clemson or a Virginia Tech or Miami has. So you really don't know. It's really a crapshoot. Like nobody really knew who Ryan Finley was until he kind of blew up, you know. So yeah, we'll see. So the coastal is actually pretty interesting to me. Um, yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you why in a second. But who do you think wins the coastal? Man, listen, I never in a million years thought I would get to this point to be like I'm betting on the University of Virginia Cavaliers. Like <laughs> I don't think people. <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty. I mean, that's heavy stuff, man. Because we went through a lot of kitty. T- I mean, you're talking about. There's kitty table, and then there's, like, the infant table. Like, UVA was just such a beating drum. Like, that was such an easy joke. And IBS, like, we just stopped checking for them. Like, yeah. and then, I mean, you look at Al Gore. Like, I mean, we can get into the history of UVA later, but, I mean, I really like UVA, man, to, to win the Coastal. And I can see people making a Miami or Virginia Tech, but, I mean, just let me kind of ride this hot take. Like, I, I mean, I know people like, well, like, Miami's probably a little better, Virginia Tech's probably a little better. Cool, but I just really like Bryce Perkins as a quarterback. I like what they're bringing back on defense. And, I, I mean, Bronco Mendenhall has truly been the perfect fit for UVA. And even I knew he could recruit decently enough and coach decently enough to get talent in there. So, I mean, if you can do it at a place like BYU with so many, you mm-hmm. know, restrictions to guys you can get in and you can consistently win – Eight or nine wins. I mean, that, man, dude, that you'll you'll make. You know, if, if Bronco Mendenhall can average nine games, they build a statue in front of that dude at Scott Stadium. Like, I, I, I like the Wahoos, man. I'm gonna go with it, and I know at the end of the year, what's gonna happen. This the year they're supposed to be really good. They're gonna go five seven. Right, <laughs> like it's gonna be a disaster. But you know what? I'm, I'm riding with the Cavaliers, man. So, um. I think I've I've seen most most of the write ups I've read and looked through. People have uh, UVA winning the Atlantic. They're very or the Coastal. They're very high on them. Uh, obviously, I think the biggest play in that is the fact that Bryce Perkins um, is is coming back. Uh, I think it always helps to have a quarterback uh, with with some experience um, jumping back into the fray. Um, their defense is actually pretty solid, even though they. They kind of lack the the athleticism that you're used to seeing from like some of the top programs in the uh, conference. Mm-hmm. They are a very well coached group, which is a testament to Bronco. Um, and BYU was kind of the same way. Like you would think, because yeah. Bronco Bronco used to run like a little bit of tempo, I think, out there. It was it was a mixture yeah. of some things. But when they had to buckle down and, and really play those grind out uh, three yards in a cloud of dust type uh, football, they could do it. They really. Yeah. And um, I think we we're seeing I mean, Bronco, that Bronco transformation coach, for sure. Yeah, we're seeing that transformation uh, with UVA. But I'm gonna counter the UVA, uh, which God, I hate to say this, y'all feel like we, we're both <laughs> in the same boat, say, like hyping teams that we cannot stand. But Miami's schedule, man, like it's probably yeah. the most favorable schedule, schedule that I've seen on that side anybody. Of the they start yeah. with Florida at home, which is like it's it's half of the Florida team. Like it's basically not even. Well, they're in Orlando. They play in Orlando. Right? Okay, they're in they Orlando. Orlando. All right. Well, yeah, they only need to start playing the that's actual the roster. That's, a good, that's good. Yeah. Then they travel to North Carolina to take on Mac Brown in his second game back in, in ages. Yeah. They got uh, Cookman after that, which is a win. Central Michigan. Then they get a, listen to this crap, bro. They've got. One, two, three, four, five home games in a row, games in a row. with Cookman, yeah, Central Michigan, Virginia and Tech, Virginia, yep. and Georgia Tech. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, that's good. Then, then they travel to Pittsburgh, which who knows. Florida State, oh, I mean, yeah, those games can go either way because of a rivalry. That's a weird stop line. Yeah. But it's, it's it's fresh off of it's fresh off a game against Pittsburgh where they sh- where they shouldn't really struggle. Then they go then yeah. they have Louisville coming at home. Fy I mean FIU Florida International, which is practically a bye week, and end with Duke. Like if they don't win at <laughs> least ten games, man, I, I'm so serious. If they don't win at least ten games, let me see. Like it's it's almost wow. like 
it's almost not fair to Mark that Manny Diaz is going to come into this situation because he's literally yeah. set up to to succeed. Like he's got a down year with Florida State. He's got Florida probably at one of their weakest points ever, and they're the first game of the year. And then he's got his hardest games in the conference are at home. Like, yeah. dude, <laughs> I, think, I understand. I got it shaking out. I think you lose the. I think they lose the Florida. I think they lose the Virginia. Beat Tech. Beat Georgia Tech. Beat Pitt. Beat Florida State. Beat Louisville. They beat FIU and they beat Duke. So I mean that's a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, that's a ten win season. That's a yeah. ten and ten season. I mean, that's a hell of a season for Manny Diaz's first year, like no doubt. Yeah, and they're projected at nine wins. And I think a lot of that, because uh, it's it's positivizes plus one twenty. I think a lot of that is just people obviously having concerns with the fact that um it's a it's a coach that's brand new to head coaching, not coaching in general, but I mean, he's yeah, the first yeah, time he's head coaching, so there might be some transitions he's a, there. Uh, he's, a he's, got, he's got coach, a pretty though, good like, staff. Yeah, like, but the thing with this is what I said, like, show me the quarterback first. Who's gonna win the job? Mar- Tate Martell and Nikosi Perry. Like, Nikosi is, I think, I think he's solid. Like, I, I really think he's a like a okay quarterback. I mean, he was young last year when they played him, but. At the same time, Tate Martell, I mean, I know him in and out, you know, him transferring in from Ohio State. Like, he's not a guy that I, – I, I don't know if I can trust him to win 10 games, like, straight up. Like, his style is very much, you know, like JT Barrett, where he's a, he's a dynamic, he's electric in the open field. But, I mean, when you really need to, you know, him to make plays in the passing game, I just don't see him doing it. So – I don't know. Show me the quarterback first, and then at least I would feel better about Miami winning 10 games for sure. But, I mean, mm-hmm. that defense is going to be, like, off the chain. I mean, like, what's crazy to me, I think, I mean, you never see this in, like, modern college football to have Pickney, Quarterman, and Finley. Like, all three of those dudes are seniors. Like, that's a linebacker yeah. core you had together for four years. Like, that's, that's like an NFL defense. Like, their, their defense is going to be absolutely insane. Their front seven is nice. Like, Bethel is nice. Ford was nice. Hill was nice. Like, I like Miami's defense. So, I mean, even if, if Tate Martell can be decent, I mean, you could talk me into Miami running the table, like beating Florida, who Dan Mullen and Felipe Frank, Emory Jones, I, I don't really know what you're going to get in Florida. The defense got to replace mm-hmm. a lot. Like, this year, two of Dan Mullen, okay, you can talk me in and out of that. And really, like you said, from that, and if they beat Tech at UVA, oh man, it's it's done. You know, you're talking about twelve and zero, you know, Coastal Division champion. So out of their interior, um, they're returning five starters. So the three linebackers, yeah. the defensive end, and the defensive tackle. And like you said, even even on defensive end that that uh, that didn't start last year, he's a senior. They've got one, two, three, four, five. Six seniors in their defense uh, this year. <laughs> like, I mean, like I would hope they would ball. Three to four wins. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. And as far as the depth chart that I got uh, today on my little scouting report, um, it's Tate uh, Martell that will be starting quarterback. Obviously, that yeah, subject could change. We don't really know, but that's what the projected starter is. And and like I said, the only reason why I'm I'm picking Miami is just because I just don't. Like I can't see how they can't take advantage of this the yeah. schedule. They, With as much talent, got, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it it would be it would be one of those things where, like, if if Manny can't win with this, then they just picked the wrong <laughs> yeah, guy. Yeah, like, um, but, but I mean, I, think about this though. Like, it is first year. Well, I mean, it's not his first year there. It's his first year as head coach. Like, he knows that roster though, which is good. Yeah, you yeah. know, like he 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 knows the roster in and out. He knows the culture of Miami. Like, he's a really, like, really, really smart dude. Like, this quick story is, like, when I was in high school and I was being recruited, he was mm-hmm. on – he was my main recruiter. He was on the staff with Chuck Amato. Chuck Amato was the head coach. He's an old Mickey Andrews Florida State guy. And I yeah. remember him, like, coming and sitting down in, like, my high school and, like, all this. And, like, long story short, he was just a really good recruiter. Like, I see why people like him. He's like, look, I'm a big game hunter, and we're here to hunt big game. Like, he's – like, I can really see him, like, really taking Miami to the next level because I think he's going to recruit – a lot better 
than the previous coaches, you know, and especially, I mean, but the quarterback and, but like you said, they're just too talented and with this schedule to just not win 10 games. Like, it's my end. Like, y'all got dogs on that roster still. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, come on, bro. You got all this South Florida talent. Like, why are you winning, you know, seven games? Like, that's inexcusable. Yeah. And my hat's off to the program doing the right thing and firing the guy when he underachieved. I'm like, look, state, you know, it's cool, though. Yeah. <laughs> the my thing is, for me, is like, on that thing, like, I look at the biggest matchups, and right now, like, who do you trust more, Bryce Perkins or Tate Martell? Yeah, so Bryce I'm going to trust Bryce because like I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. I yeah, don't know anything about Tate, for real. And that's why I'm like, man, like, can I really, really trust him? And it's like, who do you trust more? Do you trust Ryan Willis or do you trust Tate Martell? I like Ryan Willis. Like, I think Tech, like, I mean, it's all hypothetical and all ifs. But, I mean, I think the mm-hmm. floor of this team, okay, is 7-5, seven 7-6 and five, seven and six with a bowl win. But I think the ceiling is obviously like 12-0 and 0 because if they come out and get rolling, man, like, if Tate starts to play decently down the stretch, you get a bye week before Tech and UVA. You could talk me into like I, I could see that happening, but then again, I mean, this is Miami, and they've just been underperforming the last, you know, four to five years. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, and and the one thing, um, switching gears to Virginia Tech because I was looking at their recruiting. What I've noticed about some of the other schools is that like even UVA is branched out. They got Texas, Florida, Louisiana, Georgia, some of these more like well known prep areas. And Tech yeah. continues like this is the one thing I've been disappointed with uh Justin with is that he continues to kind of recruit along the same lines as um as our buddy with the with the turkey neck. <laughs> oh, Frank Beamer. Beamer. Like, Beamer. It's, it's, it's Virginia, Kentucky, West Virginia, yeah, a, a splash of Florida, but mostly Virginia and and Kentucky or there's a New Jersey in there, but again, mostly Virginia. And I'm not I'm yeah. not knocking Virginia athletes at all because we've seen uh, Virginia athletes kind of hit the, the mainstream scene at some of these bigger yeah, schools sure. like Clemson, but he's not getting those kids, you know. Um, yeah, so he's not getting. That. I, I wonder will that ultimately be the downfall for him because he he doesn't have the steam of Beamer Ball, and one thing that's not been talked about this year because it kind of just came up over the last couple of weeks, he's losing Bud Foster at the end of the year. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. That, yeah. I think, here's the thing: if you're a tech, right? Like, what? Look at Penn State. I think Maryland can do it. I think. Mac Brown and North Carolina is going to do this. There's enough talent. Exclude South Florida, right? Let's let's exclude mm-hmm. Florida. Let's exclude South Carolina. Let's exclude Georgia. From North Carolina to New Jersey, there's enough there's enough talent within that I-95 corridor to win national titles. I mean, because if you mm-hmm. look at everybody across the nation, I mean, Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> I mean, he was a Maryland commit, right? And and you look at yeah. guys like all across the country, and I mean, look at that's what James Franklin knew when he got to Penn State, like. Now, can Fuente win? If college football is this simple, if you win, they'll come. If you build, yes. they'll come. You got to win games. Can he, like, I think Beamer got caught. I think, I don't want to discredit Frank Beamer because I think he's, you know, incredibly, you know, good college football coach. But what Michael Vick did for the, that university for the next five to ten years cannot be, like, quantified because yeah. they really found the mold of having Michael Vick, Brian Randall. Marcus Vick, Tyrod, Tyrod, all of yep. their success, right? Where Tech was recruiting the seven five seven, the eight oh four, and the four three four, they were getting the elite players. And when you start to dip, now you see guys like Clemson, you see Mac Brown coming back into Virginia, Penn State's coming into Virginia, Ohio State, Michigan, all the other big dogs. Now it's like, dang, bro, like I'm little homie, like I, I gotta gotta get in where yeah. I fit in, but. I think he like if he can win some games this year, right? Like if Willis can get it going and. I mean, everybody knows this is, you know, Bud Foster's final year. So let's just go ahead and say, like, this team will be extra motivated, extra fired up, right? And let's give him two extra wins. And I think if he can do that and he can just find that fire, that lightning in the bottle to – because he's just – I mean, his thing is, dog, you – yeah, if this is what you think you're going to be, a 6-7 and seven program or an 8-5 program, like, I mean, I don't think he stays in Blackbird. 
I mean, yeah. within the next three years. I think if he goes another 75, 75, 75, he's out of there. Yeah, and, and last year they were 6-7, and seven, um, which obviously yeah. you their quarterback the breaking his leg. Yeah, that, that, yeah. that hurt. And then the ODU loss. Oh, my God. <laughs> that that ODU loss might be worse than the JMU loss. Might be, based off the programs. Because JMU Man, actually has honestly, some history. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just fucking my dukes like that. But yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. But hey, they 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 that squad in the um in the D two scene with uh what is it uh North Dakota State they're still projected yeah. one and two. So I, yeah, I do keep those balling, things out from time to time. They they have lines on those, so I do keep it. From I mean, time but come time. on, ODU, we're talking about a yeah. program that hasn't even been around a decade. Like, come on, you yeah. can your type. I can't let and regardless of how bad that is, if you just look at talent for talent, come on, your UVA. And you know what? That was a big time showcase game in the seven five seven. Yeah. And uh, I mean you're talking about one of the most fertile recruiting grounds there is, and you go there and you just lay an egg like that, like that's inexcusable, man. But and, and the I mean, thing about I'm this year, their schedule too. Yeah, I was just looking at it too. <laughs> They've got they they're ending with Virginia and that game might not only be a rivalry but it might be uh, to see who could potentially be the um the representative yeah, out of there yeah. yeah because depending on how Miami plays Tech could either play spoiler to Virginia's uh, hopes or they could um shoot do they got yeah they got Miami where they got Miami at? they got, yeah, they got Miami they got Miami early they got to go yeah. to they got to go to Notre Dame. And they yeah. gotta go to Miami. Yeah, and they I gotta mean, go to UVA. Are, I mean, I think I think okay, I'm gonna go ahead. I think Willis is gonna be good. I really think Tech is going to be better. I really, I, I kind of like them, but <laughs> man, you know what? The more I think about this UVA pick, the kind of more I'm starting to talk myself out of it <laughs> because I'm looking at it. I'm like, man, I trust. Do I trust? Ryan Willis and, you know, like, I don't know what it is. I think Tech is kind of at the point of Michigan. Like, it's at this point where, like, man, are you ever going to beat these dudes? Like, if you don't do it now, it may be a never proposition. And I just don't, like, you know, you should never go from season to season and just be like, but, oh, they can't beat them. But, you know, if I just look at the history of the program, man, and just to say, I just can't trust UVA to win big games, you know. So, I mean, Tech (sighs) – I mean, what's their over-under? Their over-under is actually eight, which I think is pretty tough. I think that's tough because their toughest games are on the road. Um, you could argue that they potentially lose three games right there at Florida, at Notre so Dame. Think, so you think at they UVA, lose at maybe. UVA, at Notre Dame, at Miami? You think they'll lose? Out of those three biggest games, how many do you think they, they'll lose? Two out of the three. I can never trust UVA because it was three, right okay. to win. <laughs> they always make a – they always, <laughs> always find a way they to trick it up, exactly. man. All right, exactly. so – That's what I'm saying. I just can't trust them. I mean, at that point. I'm sorry to repeat yeah. this UVA thing, man. Yeah. And, and honestly, with, with the uh, retirement pending of Foster, they probably will be very motivated. And, and to their credit, they do got some talent coming in um, at the school. It's not top-tier talent, obviously, but they – but if, you know – Justin can get his his uh his offense rolling behind Willis, who I do like. Um, yeah, I like him. Solid. Dang, I just got the voice in my ear saying ninety seconds. Jesus. All right. Well, I guess we we're running out of time. It's okay though because honestly, we only needed to talk about the teams that we just covered. Uh, we could yep. do a storyline about Matt coming back to the league, but I'm gonna treat him like I treated uh my man out in Arizona State. I ain't got time for y'all old heads. I'm not going to play into Texas because of Matt I Brown. This, I will though. save it for the Big 12. In the next three years, I think this division could look a little different with, with Jeff Collins, who's going to recruit really well and already recruiting well at Georgia Tech. Matt Brown's recruiting uh-huh. well at North Carolina. And I think Narduzzi can do decent at Pitt. And, I mean, it's the ACC. Somebody's got to catch Clemson eventually. So, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, we will. And um, we're we're going to extend the time next time when we do, like, Big 12 or, or uh, SEC or Big 10, some of the more important Can we please do the Big 10 next? I got a whole lot to get. Yeah. I got a lot to get off my chest. Let's do the Big okay. 10 next. I got a lot to get off my chest, man. All right. So I will set a schedule with you to do that. Um, everybody who is right, cool. listening or listening to the replay, just uh, be on the lookout. But, again, um, I'll also write up a little recap of what we talked about. 
But the consensus is that we will see, once again, the Clemson Tigers be the ACC champions. So uh, thank you, Marcus, for uh, calling in. Yeah, man. And, thank uh, you we'll, guys for we'll having me. I appreciate it. All right, man. Take care. Right, this man. has been Peace. Winsome. Lose a little college football preview of the ACC, and we will catch you later.